As with every episode of Storytellers, this episode may contain themes, storylines, or ideas that may not be safe for work. Headphones recommended, and listener discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Storytellers. My name is Derek, and this is the show that proves to you that anyone can tell a story. Uh, Storytellers is the combination of the age-old art of storytelling with the game of telephone. And the way that it works is uh, we have four storytellers, uh, and I randomly choose who's going to go first, second, third, and fourth based on a, a number generator that I have. Um, we group them by their the first name of their the first letter of their first name. Um, and the person who goes first uh, has to begin a story. The story lasts between five and seven minutes. And when they finish their segment of the story, they send it back over to me. And then I send the second part of the story over to the next storyteller. The second storyteller hears the uh, first part and they have to continue the story without bringing it to a conclusion or ending it. Um and then they send me their segment. And that's where it starts to get interesting because I send their segment and their segment only to the third person, uh, the third storyteller, uh, who will hear their segment. And from that, we'll have to uh, bring the story to a climax without ending it. I like to call it creative, creative edging. And then... <laughs> Uh, for the last person, I send them the third person story and only the third person segment, and they have to end the story. So without ever hearing the entire beginning of the story, um, the last person has to end the story. And the first person begins the story, but never gets to hear how the story ends until we all get together for a group meeting and we listen to the story. And each person gets a chance to say exactly what they were thinking of when they came up with their segment and receive their kudos and their flowers at that point in time. Um, today, I am joined by, uh, well, Chris couldn't be here. He has a business meeting, but Chris from the cult film uh, podcast and the um, cult film companion podcast. Um, I'm also joined by uh, Rich from... <laughs> Rich and Jimmy make a podcast. Did, did I get that right? No, Rich and Jimmy watch a, a film. Rich and Jimmy watch go. a film. Yeah, and I was like, was made. <laughs> uh, I'm going to edit that out in post production. That's the first time I had to edit something out in a long time. And talking about it's going to lead to more editing. So yeah, um, for, I have Rich from the Rich and Jimmy watch a film podcast. Um, and then I am also fortunate enough to have Garrett. Uh, Garrett joined us after one gentleman was unable to uh, do the story due to time constraints. Um, and Garrett is from the Ever Trending Story podcast. He's been on Storytellers before, um, and I'm grateful for him for stopping back by to help me out again. Um, so thank you for that, Garrett. I really do appreciate it. 
Yeah, of course. Um, today's story was based on three cards, which was Survivor, Flight, and Warning is Ignored. Um, and Chris went first, and I went second, and Garrett went third, and Rich uh, finished off the story. So, Rich, knowing that the cards are Survivor, Flight, and Warning is Ignored, how many of those three cards would you say made it to the end of the story? Wow, now there is a question. So um, if we think of flight as in running away from something rather than uh, <laughs> a flight as in airplane, then uh, and what was the other one? So it was flight. Flight, survivor, and warning is ignored. Okay, well, I think, I think I, you, you could argue that all three were there, but there would have to be an argument. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I I want the listeners to know that although those three cards do need to be in the first part of the story, they don't need to be the basis of the story. They just need to be engaged in the story in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I think I've heard the I, – I know I've heard the entire story because I'm the one who does the editing and whatnot. And I can tell you all without a shadow of a doubt that – you're in for a really good treat. This this was fun. Um, so with no further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, here's part one, which was Chris's segment. Survivor guilt. Noun. A condition of persistent mental and emotional stress experienced by someone who has survived an incident in which others died. So this is a feeble attempt at analyzing, recounting the series of events that led me to the predicament that is now laid out before me. Ever since I was a young child, I was always one that had followed the rules. Although I never excelled greatly at school or sports, I was average. Average. In hindsight, that's that's a word that could easily describe me at best. After years of an average existence, this is what I accumulated. A small house, outside a relatively major city, a wife, two kids. There was no white picket fence, but there was a dog. Average. I was average. My work kept me busy, but was never really fulfilling. My wife kept me busy, escorting me from social events to social events or outings with the children until one night while getting ready for bed, this anxiety and fear came over me. Not quite sure what to do. I had this uncontrollable desire to run. To run and leave my life. To leave my wife. To leave my kids. To leave the dog. To leave average behind me. As someone who has suffered with depression and anxiety issues throughout their adolescent and adult lives, a panic attack was not uncommon for me. But this was more than a panic attack. This was a war of panic being raged inside my mind, my heart, my lungs. And the only escape was to casually kiss my wife on the cheek, tell her that I love her, open up the bedroom doors which held my children, blow them kisses, and walk out the front door. I started to drive with no particular destination in sight, but the more miles I put between me and my house, the better I started to feel. Waves of relief rushed over me until I find myself in a part of the city that an average person like myself should not be this late at night. 
But instead of being assaulted, mugged, propositioned, kidnapped, I instead found myself parking in front of a convenience store, casually getting out, going inside for a bottle of water, and buying the first pack of cigarettes that I had purchased since quitting nearly 17 years ago. Across the street, while I lit up the first cigarette of nearly two decades and feeling the rush of nicotine, I noticed a neon sign blinking with a fortune teller. Not being a superstitious man and never one to read his horoscope or play the lottery, I was never one for these sorts of things, but tonight was something different. Might as well give this a shot. I walked inside, not at, at all sure what to expect but was greeted by a woman in her late 50s, early 60s, with lines almost seemingly drawn as a character into her face, who seemed to give off an air of wisdom and wonder by simply grasping my hand. She offered me tarot cards, a look into the crystal ball, or simply to read my palm. After about 13 to 14 seconds of deliberation, I decided upon the palm reading. I slipped her a crisp $20 bill. She gently took my hand into hers, started to weave a finger as if she was navigating a route on a map. And suddenly, an expression of shock came over her face. She looked up into my eyes, and I could see a look of surprise on her face, something that she was probably unaccustomed to. She quickly put the $20 bill back into my hand, folded it up, told me a simple phrase before showing me the door. And that phrase was, you are not where you belong right now. Of course, my mind flooded with follow-up questions. I asked her, do I go home? If not, where do I go? Where do I belong? Am I to take this literally? She said nothing but shook her head as if she knew that the road that lay ahead for me would not be one that any person would desire to take. I once again got into my car and began to drive. I found myself on the highway. I found that the night sky had opened up and it started to rain. As the rain became heavier and steadier, I found myself at the exit for the airport. Without even thinking, I hit the blinker. Next thing I knew, I was pulling up into long-term parking. As I was entering the terminal, a woman, a couple years my junior, was walking out of the terminal, grabbed my arm, whispered in my ear, you don't belong here. Before I had a chance to react or question her, she had gotten into the backseat of the taxi and it had taken off. I now found myself walking amongst the various passengers, either awaiting a flight or returning. It seemed oddly chaotic for this time of night, although honestly it had been years since I had last been in an airport. As I walked aimlessly from terminal to terminal, I found the words, not just the words, the warning that had been repeated to me twice this evening, you don't belong here. I wish I could uh, <clears throat> look Chris in his eye when I tell him, just how many times I had to listen to this story before I was like, I know where to go. It had so many different crags and hooks in it that I was like, okay, I could turn this person into a horror story. I could turn this person into a, 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 a vigilante. I could turn this person into a mind reader. Like there were so many different things I could have done with it that what I ended up choosing to do with it was probably 
my fifth attempt. Like I would go into all these other ones and they were like, nah, that doesn't work. That doesn't work the way I wanted to work for it. So the direction I took with it, I think really set the mood uh, perfectly. But he's the one who made the plate and, and made the table uh, for us all to dine from. And I think he did an absolutely <laughs> excellent job. Uh, Rich, before I get to Garrett, you went last. So yeah. hearing uh, Chris's part, does it carry over to what you ended up doing at the end? <laughs> well, no. Uh, well, do you know what? Most of the time when I was there, because I've obviously heard part three mm-hmm. and I've heard part four because I did part four. So I, I'm now really excited to hear part two because I want to know how it bridges from that first section mm-hmm. to what I wrote at the end. Mm-hmm. So listening to the, I. Because I was trying to think, okay, because I obviously no spoilers, but I know how it ends and I know the character that it becomes. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to find out how that happens or why that happens or yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a good it's a good start. It's a good start. Like and there's the flight as well. But mm-hmm. as I said earlier, he ran away from his family and he goes to an airport. So mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah. Well done. His name is Chris, right? Yep. Chris well, from the Chris. Cult Film Companion Show. There you go. Garrett, what are your thoughts thus far? Oh, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, you know, with with where part two led into mine, I'm very curious to see what exactly gets discussed in part two that gets to, to where I was writing. Because I was trying to to piece together what, what you had given me into, you know, what that first part was and I mean, there's definitely some little bits in there, but I'm just really curious to see what what that leap is that gets it into what what you had brought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, iterations uh, starts and fits, and mm-hmm. then I was like, uh, let's just clear our mind and really start from that warning that he kept giving out. Yeah. So, with no further ado. Here's my segment. Here's part two of the story. All right, bruh, I get it. I don't fucking belong here. But if I'm not here, then where the fuck should I be? Huh? Do you know where I'm supposed to be at? And can you stop fucking possessing people and give me some fucking information? Behind me, I heard a giggle. Then Ned showed up. Ned wasn't his real name. But... It was what he did, and he didn't let people fucking forget it. Ned stood for necromancy education degree. If you asked him, he wanted to be called Dr. Ned. But why would you call him Dr. Necromancy education degree? That's just fucking stupid, and I told him so plenty of times. What's your real fucking name anyway? It's Casperson. Get the fuck out of my face. No, really. It's Ned Casperson. Alright, whatever, Ned. So, the thing I need to tell you about Ned is that he's fucking dead. Ned's dead, okay? That's his thing. Ned's fucking dead, and he went after he died and got the NED. So now he really won't stop bragging about it, which really pissed me off. Because my dad is like, why can't you do that? And I'm like, what the fuck do you want me to do, Pops? I'm already a goddamn Grim Reaper. What more do you want from me? You're not supposed to be here. 
Ned said. Yeah, I fucking got it, Ned. I kind of got it after the fifth person you possessed to tell me that I shouldn't be here. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I don't know. It was this song that was playing when I came up here. Something from Radiohead. Something about being a creep. Well, you are a creep. The fuck do you want? Well, Gertie. That's what Ned calls me. Gertie. It's not my real name either, but fuck it. I call him Ned and he made that up. Gertie stands for Grim Reaper 10th Year. Yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years. How long have you been at your job? Exactly. Shut the fuck up. So, Ned, where am I supposed to be at? Well, Gertie, you're not supposed to be here. (laughs) I gotta shut the fuck up. Where should I be at? You're supposed to be out there. Ned pointed, and I looked onto the tarmac. Why am I supposed to be out there? Dude. What? You're a Grim Reaper, right? Yeah, I'm a Grim Reaper. I'm pointing at the tarmac. Yeah, you're pointing at the fucking tarmac. Put two and two together, dickhole. Okay. So, a plane's crashed? Nah. Not yet. Okay, so if a plane hasn't crashed yet, then why am I being assigned to that spot? Well, you're not actually. It's strange. You're going out there. You're going out there to do the opposite of your job. You're not going to collect bodies. Wait. You realize that goes completely against my job, right? My job is to deliver souls to my father, not keep them for my father. The last time I tried to keep something from my father, he found out about my strange, strange addiction to peanut butter and tuna fish sandwiches. And that was not a pleasant conversation. Yeah, I remember that. He was really embarrassed for you. I've never seen somebody be embarrassed for someone before. Yeah, dad's weird like that. Dad's not my real dad either. It's weird, I know, but he's Hades. The father of the underworld, you know, the one who started this gangster shit. So I call him dad and he calls me when it's time for me to go to work. It's not really a big relationship, but it's okay because I get paid well and I get to work from home an awful lot. My wife and my kids, they don't know what I do. And if I told them what I did, they literally die. So, I get to work certain shifts. I tell my wife that I work a 24-hour shift. She thinks I'm a paramedic. But instead of saving lives, I'm taking them. Except for today. Apparently. So, let me make sure I got this straight, Ned. There's a plane coming. Yep. And it's going to crash. Yep. And you want me to do what exactly? Make sure nobody dies. It's pretty simple. Ned? Yeah, Gertie. Who am I? You're Gertie. Yeah, okay, cool. I'm just checking. Is there a fucking S on my chest? Not that I can see. Do I look invincible? No, not even close. You're pretty fucking frail for all that's good. Then how the fuck am I supposed to stop a plane from falling out of the sky, Ned? 
help me out. I didn't say you're supposed to stop a plane from falling out of the sky. You specifically said that I wasn't supposed to take any lives. Yeah, that's exactly it. How am I supposed to not take lives if a plane is about to crash? Oh, shit. My bad, dog. I forgot to tell you. You're not supposed to take any lives when this plane crashes. Why not? Oh, dog, look. I'm the new representative for Union DR-438. Yeah. We're on strike. Yeah, wow, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. yeah. So oh, now, yeah. now, Rich, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, firstly, uh, one thing that came to mind was I don't hear the word dickhole enough. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's even uh, better when you say it like it rhymes like pickle. So, dickle. What, what, what the fuck do you want, dickle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you went in, didn't you? Like, I mean, that, that Grim Reaper's got some sass to him. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. But, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. The character, the character's there. He's, he's a strong one now, isn't he? Now that, now that it's all come to light who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice twist, isn't it? Having the, the job that he's meant to be doing, not doing it. <laughs> and the confusion there. And it does make sense now, the ending. The ending actually I think it does it does kind of make a little bit of sense now. Which is uh yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need to listen to the whole thing start to finish. But... <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Garrett, I know you've heard this before, but what were your thoughts? Um I mean it was it was definitely like when I when I heard your part, just super aggressive and I was like, boy, I wonder how the first part was what was like was this just a continuation on that or was it you know his own thing and i mean that also gave me just the liberty to just go as hard as i could in in writing for this character i I loved the freedom of and how expressive he was and uh i mean you know re-listening to your part and then the first part i i see that that jump now and it just was really fun to carry on that character in his you know absurd just um Almost like like a character, like a caricature, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I did this part, um, I was looking at it like, okay, this guy couldn't sleep. It was late at night. He gets a call, so it's late night. So he's already mad, and he keeps he he keeps getting told this same thing over and over again. You're not supposed to be here. If I'm tired and I have one of my work friends telling me something over and over again. It's like, shut the fuck up, Ned. I get it. (laughs) Like, dude, like, it's not funny anymore. Like, so that's where I was. And I just, I really liked the idea of him almost being like a superhero of sorts. Like his family doesn't know what he does. You know, he he leaves him at home at night and he goes out and he collects bodies and he comes back and it's just, they don't know. He's like Dexter, but he's a fucking Grim Reaper. Um, and the fact that he's like, yeah, Hades, that's that's my dad. He's not really my dad, but you no, know, he's he's like my pops. So he's more like Thanatos or Thanatos, Than 
Thanatos. I call him Than. But, you know, the guy mm-hmm. from Greek mythology who Hades adopted as his own son more than had as his own son. He's actually the goddess Nick's son. Um, it's a whole thing. It's pretty dope. Greek mythology is so wonderful to read on like a rainy night. Um, unless but, it's uh, unless it's Oedipus, and then it's just a bit fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and so I was like, I just want to see where I can carry this to, and I just let my mind wander. And Ned being a necromancy, <laughs> I forgot about that, that he had a degree in necromancy. My wife gave me a look like, what the hell? <laughs> and it, it was a lot of fun. And those are the stories I like the best. Like, like I can do romance. I can do uh, horror. I can do that kind of stuff. But this one was just straight up and down. Let's just have some fun with it. So I really enjoyed well, it. I think also what's what's interesting now is there's such a tonal shift between the stories that I've heard. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we'll obviously get onto my one, but the tone definitely changes. Mm-hmm. The character definitely changes, and I, I think I think that's also something that's great about doing like a, a, a like an international thing because you know culturally we're so different, and so mm-hmm. we've all got different ways of telling stories. Because I, I couldn't pull that story off, you know. You, it was it was so Californian, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Whereas little old Brit boy sat here in London, going, "Oh, excuse me, would you mind awfully not talking to me like that?" You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's this is a fascinating experiment, and uh, well, actually, yeah. I would love to hear you. I would love to hear your take on the first part of that, on on my segment of the story. I would love to hear because, and again, some of my favorite movies, Snatch, The Gentleman, uh, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, uh, things of that nature. So to hear your take on it would be like some of the fucking best stuff I had heard in my entire (laughs) life. I'm already certain of it. Um, But yeah, I guess it is pretty California now that you mentioned it. Um, I mean, so, peanut butter and tuna is that uh, is that a thing or is that no, no right, good because that's not right. <laughs> exactly, and that's why he gave him a look like the fuck. Like that's why his dad was the look was I pity you for wanting to eat something like that. No, but my wife when she was pregnant with my son, she ate some pretty off the wall shit, and she was like, "Don't give me that look." And it was just the look. She used to eat jalapenos. That was it. Just like a whole ass, hey, can you go into this Mexican food restaurant that's around the corner from our house and get me six pickled jalapenos? And that's all she would eat. Hey, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, okay, no problem, baby. They'd be like, oh, you're back. Derek? Like, yeah, it's my wife. She's still pregnant. Oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> Seeds and all, just like Hot shit. Okay, so with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to Garrett's part of the story. Here's part three of the story. So, ten fucking years of removing souls from the people on Earth, and then Ned rolls along and says that I'm not supposed to take lives. I don't get what this whole union dr 438 shit is and why their strike is going to stop me from doing what i was literally born to do but here we are but he said i'm not supposed to 
take lives when this plane crashes. Is there going to be another one? Man, I did not need this shit today. You know, I just hate it when people step in and stop me from doing my job. You ever have that? When someone just thinks it's their duty to fuck up your rhythm and flow just so they can feel important? Ned was smug over there. Hey man, look, this whole strike thing, it should be over soon. I don't want to impede on your business, but, well, this is important. That face of his, I just want to bash it with my scythe. See, Union DR-438, they have this thing where they're tired of handling all of the paperwork that goes along with processing the dead. Paperwork? Ned, what paperwork? What fucking paperwork goes along with this? I just walk up to them, rip their soul out of their body, and bring them to hell. That's pretty fucking easy. That face was getting more smug by the minute. You see, Gertie, after those ten long years, I would have thought you would have figured something out. You're not just taking souls, buddy. You're upending lives, families, careers. <laughs> you name it, you fucked it up. You. This union has to deal with your haphazard soul rippings and you just get to go back home to your wife and kids like it's no big deal. Well, guess what? It's a huge deal. Mountains of paperwork. All that need I's dotted and T's crossed. Wills that need figured out. Next of kin that need contacted. The whole shebang. Did you ever consider once that maybe, just maybe, there are other people who need to be considered? Of course not. I just stared at him for a moment. Okay, Ned, but did you ever consider that death needs to happen? What would happen to this planet if I just took a vacation? I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I could use a fucking vacation. But then what? For how many people are fucking born per day, this world would get oversaturated with them and then, well... Chaos would happen. I stop the chaos. I bring balance to this shithole. Well, the Union of Death Refusers 438 think otherwise. Until the demands are met, you are to cease and desist your actions. Alright, asshole. What demands are there? Surely we can get this moving quickly so I can get back to keeping the natural order moving? Like, my dad's the fucking devil. I'm sure whatever needs you guys have can be met just like that. You know, because he's the devil. Look, Gertie, we know how the apple fell from the tree. We get it. But it's not that easy. Okay, well, then what? I swear, if he doesn't change his face, I'm going to change it for him. Well, they are asking for your resignation as resident Grim Reaper. Oh, hold the fucking phone, Dr. Ned. I don't see how you can just waltz in here, demand I quit, and then carry on like it's not a big deal. Man, I've been holding back on taking your fucking head off, but I think I'm starting to reconsider. Well, save yourself the trouble. I'm already dead, numbnuts. Touche, Ned. They just feel that the job as Grim Reaper can be handled by a collective rather than one. Time to coordinate, go through the proper channels, and, well, you know, ease up on the paperwork process. Man, fuck your paperwork. That's too damn bad that the living can't have their shit together when they die. But that's life. That's death, motherfucker. 
It waits for nobody, not even the pencil-pushing pussies in DR-438. We were afraid you might say that. So, Gertie, we hereby present you with an official notice of trespassing on Earth, signed and notarized by the Council of Life and Death. I'm sorry it's come to this, but times are changing. Oh, boy, wait until Dad gets wind of this. He's going to have all your asses. All of them. And he's been raging forever, so it's not going to be pretty. You'll be sorry you ever tried to stop me, Dr. Ned. Defund the Grim Reaper! (laughs) (laughs) Gar, what were you thinking when you came up with the segment? Oh, I was, I was just really wanting to take, like, like you had just set him up as this, this Grim Reaper person. And then, you know, Ned with the, the necromancy degree and just making it seem like more of a business than, than it being just, um, you know, like a, a fairy tale type thing. So I just kind of went a step further when, when you introduced the, the union as well. I was like, well, I wonder what, what he meant with the DR. So I just kind of added my own thing to it and then just, just kept making it seem like it was more like a, a behind the scenes type thing that you wouldn't even think of, you know, when it, when it comes to, to this type of like job. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, to really add like the, a human ish element to it while still, you know, making it be a very serious thing. I mean, I understand completely the paperwork they had to do. I mean, Gertie probably did take like a few people who were just fainted. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of paperwork <laughs> that needs to be done. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh my goodness, Rich! What are your thoughts on uh, Garrett's segment? Well, I, I think you, he absolutely nailed it with that—the human side of it. I think it would be very easy to go down a, a death kind of carnage, macabre. Um, route so to sort of because I think we, we we were kind of on the same page again without going spoilers that human side of death and mm-hmm. the fact that there was mention of family my dad and the unions and paperwork it, it took away that kind of skeletal monster running around the streets just stripping people's souls it became this a job and mm-hmm. uh, I really liked that I felt I I, I listened to that through many, many times uh, before I started writing the fourth section. And I just, again, like you said, that first one about the amount of hooks, the amount of, you could have gone off anywhere with that. And you could have gone down the route of like, well, my dad's going to hear about this and then go down the route of what does dad do? But I like mm-hmm. the idea of uh, death and the family and the job as we will probably see in part four (laughs) and and i mean i really do appreciate the fact that gertie's just not gonna take the sitting down like what the fuck you mean i'm fired like you can't fire me like because that's what we would do like Mm -hmm. i mean that's what i would do (laughs) you can't fucking fire me i got a family like this is my livelihood and it feels more like that sort of thing, especially when the reason why he's getting fired to him does it. It's, it's, get the fuck out of my face, like you asshole! This makes no fucking sense. But going all, but going all Californian again there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's it it 
feels like this is something that a union would come up with without I'm not a union bachelor. I'm not a, I love my union, but it does sound like something, you know, instead of one person doing this job, like 65 people could have this job and then you'd have less hours and stuff like that. But instead, we're just going to get you out of here and give the opportunity to these 65 people who would benefit more. So I thought it was spectacular, Garrett. I did. Um, above and beyond anything I could have ever hoped for. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And now I've got to follow it. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the rolling of the dice with and, uh, no further ado. And that's how the story ends. That's it. Good night, everyone. <laughs> he get fired. With no further ado, let's go ahead and get the richest part. Here's the conclusion to this story. Death cut a forlorn figure as he made his way home. The bravado from the earlier altercation with Ned had gone, and now all that remained was the unmistakable feeling of someone who'd fucked up and had nothing left to do but face the consequences. Surely his dad would have his back, wouldn't he, Death thought? They say the devil's in the detail, but surely good old Lucifer must hate paperwork as much as he does. Death reached his front gate. He paused. He knew his wife and kids were in there, but today he wanted nothing more than for it to be empty. He'd lost the job he'd loved, the job he was good at. Ned was wrong. It was far more than just ripping out souls. It was a service. Was it his fault if the human race couldn't get their act together and realise everyone fucking dies? It's all part of it. Why is it still a fucking surprise? Jeez! Death stared in the window of the house. He could see in the front room his boy playing happily whilst his wife sat and enjoyed a cup of tea. They're going to die, Death thought. One day they'll be gone and instead of me gently sending them on their way, it's going to be a group of senseless bastards who are just ticking boxes. Fuck it, I'm going to Dad. He'll sort this out. They did what? screamed the devil. To my own son? Wait there. Lucifer stormed off and snatched up the phone. Get me, Ned. No, I won't wait. Get him now. It's the devil. Now, off you fuck and get him. Death sat awkwardly listening into the phone call. The phone call which would put everything right. The phone call that would put an end to nefarious Ned and his union of cunts. Things were starting to look up. Death allowed himself to start to relax. He thought of Wendy and Callum sat enjoying the normality of their day and for the first time since leaving Ned's office he wanted nothing more than to be back there pushing cars around the carpet and laughing about a rogue biscuit dropping into a hot cuppa. Once his dad was finished he would again be the harvester of souls, the enabler of the long sleep. The death suddenly became aware of the conversation again and was surprised by the tone being offered by his father, the almighty devil. Yes, of course, Ned. I totally understand. Ah, yes, it's the world we are living in, and who would I be to stand in the way of progress? As you say, productivity is key. It's it's okay. I'll speak with him. He'll understand. Lovely speaking with you, Ned. Lucifer gently put down the phone and turned to death. So, uh, that was Ned said Lucifer. Nice guy. 
He explained the situation, and in a way he's right. More soul extractors, more souls, and you know that's the aim of the game, Death, don't you? Death nodded. Lucifer sat next to his son. You know I'm proud of all you've done over the years for me. Your mum is as well. Only last night over dinner, she said, hasn't it been nice seeing Death find his forte? It's just, well, times change and your skill set isn't relevant anymore. We agreed that it's time to move you on. Death turned suddenly to his father. No, not now. What about Wendy, Callum, Jeremiah? What will they do? I'll look after them, son. Lucifer gently put his arm around his sopping son and lightly touched him on the neck. As Death's eyes began to close for the last time, he stared into his father's and noticed a tear rolling down his cheek. Maybe the devil does have a heart, thought Death, before the darkness took him over. Garrett, what, what, what's your thoughts? Before I even get to you, Rich, Garrett, what's your thoughts? <laughs> wow, that was that was art. I, I love that so much. <laughs> I knew you would. I'm so happy when I heard it. Oh my god, and it was so British. I've been waiting to say that this whole episode because I knew what your part sounded like. But you call somebody a right and proper cunt, and that is literally the best British phrase that we can't say in the United States because we fucked the whole world up. But, yes. Oh, that was perfect. That was wonderful. Just spectacular. Yeah, um, thank you. I, lo- I laughed. I laughed because he was like, dad's going to give him what for? And then he started listening. Like, that's what you would really do. Like, if your dad ran a company or if you knew Ooh, you're going to be in trouble when dad gets home and then your dad gets home and you're waiting for the, the shoe to drop and all of a sudden he's looking over his shoulder at you and you're like, wait, what the fuck, what? <laughs> so that's what I was saying about Garrett setting it up really nicely with the, you wait till my dad, because as soon as I heard you wait till my dad hears about this, that's like any kid in any playground in any school in the world that mm-hmm. threatens someone else with their dad and then they go home and they oh, such and such a did this to me and the dad just goes shut up <laughs> you know deal with it yourself <laughs> you know so uh and also if we're closing it off on the fourth section you can't have death go um the devil go on a rampage because i mean that's pages and pages of writing mm-hmm. you know as he slaughters everyone so i thought the easiest way to kill is just to kill death <laughs> and i mean he was like but dad like you just told me my my mom was proud of me. <laughs> now you're gonna kill me? Like, okay, Dad. Like, thanks. That I didn't I didn't expect it. I didn't I, see it coming. I loved picturing just uh, Satan and a woman just like eating dinner in hell, just discussing their child. I thought that was such a <laughs> just a great mental picture. Did you hear? He's going back to school. Like, that is the best. And you know what? Now that I think about it, because drawing out what we interred from the story or, or what we got from that uh, segment, he's not really dying as much as he's going back home, waiting 
So he's going back home with his mom and dad. He's going to live at home for a while. I'm moving back in with y'all, Pops, because you fired me. Like, it will be, <laughs> yeah. it's not, like, we think about it as death because, you know, it's it's human thought. But this is Hades and his son. He's coming back home to live with y'all, and it's going to be real awkward for a while. Like, that could become a sitcom. Yeah, Dad, you fired me. <laughs> Where else am I supposed to live? All right, go take out the trash and feed Severus. Cerberus. <laughs> I thought that I, uh, was wonderful. <laughs> Listening back to it, though, I'm so proud because I had, what, five minutes? And as someone, as, a, as a, an Englishman, I managed to get two references to cups of tea in. I heard a cuppa, and I was very happy because I watched Wentworth, and I know what that means. A cuppa <laughs> and a spot of tea. Those are the two that I hear the most. Yeah. <sighs> it was fun, though. It is, this is what I mean about the tonal shift because it's... it's the, I, I write in a very kind of emotive way. Like in, I, I like to think about feelings and stuff when I write. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was saying about with the sort of the the sheer aggression of your section, Derek. Like the fuck you, I'm gonna fuck you up, and and then just to go to like this a little lady sat drinking a cup of tea and the sun pushing a car around, and 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 that's what I found really fascinating about this is the fact that listening to it on start to finish. It's the the shift in tone is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it would be interesting to listen to it nonstop, start to finish. And and the cool thing about what you were saying in regards to the tonal <laughs> shift is Garrett is right there in the middle, bridging those two tones. Like, yeah, I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, get the fuck out of my face. And then Garrett is like, he's riding home. Like, you know what? I'm a fuck that guy. Like, what the fuck? Does, who the fuck? And that's really how it is when you're told to get the fuck out of my face. Like, what the hell do you think you are? My dad owns this company. You know what? He's going to get you. And you're thinking all the way home. So by the time you get home and you're talking to your pops about it, you're usually calmer about the whole situation. Like the anger is dissipated on the way back home. I've I've told my brother a lot, so I know how this works. So I, I really did think that was wonderful. Like I said, from start to finish. You also can't beat unions. Like he's in a no-win situation there in Garrett's section when he's trying to argue with Ned, Ned about the, uh, you know, but this is how I do it. Yeah, but we've got paperwork, we've got this, we've got that. Like mm-hmm. he was always on the back foot, so it would have, it wouldn't have worked because even the bosses of companies can't take on unions that easily. So exactly, if the devil was the boss. He can't just go in and go, no, sorry, no unions, go away. He'd still have to fight a union and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just not worth it. Like my son or everybody going on strike. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll fit you in somewhere else, son. We have a we have an intramural football team that you can come over here and coach for a little while. <laughs> I like honestly, gentlemen. I thought y'all did an excellent job, Chris, as well. Um, so before I close out the show. Uh, Garrett, tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. All right. Yeah. Uh, so my podcast is called the ever trending story. We're part of the odd pods media network. Um, what we do is we peruse the internet for trends and we take those trends and spin them into, um, a fictional story with a genre decided with a, a randomizer wheel. Um, it's a, it's a good time. Uh, we have a good time recording that and, uh, you know, the news is always changing. So the stories are always, uh, always out there. So you, mm-hmm. you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
And Rich, tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. So uh, my friend Jimmy and I decided one night when watching a film that we were having so much fun watching the film and sort of making each other laugh that we just try and record it. And that is effectively what our podcast is. We sit and we chat about a film. We have some dinner and we chat over dinner. Then we watch the film in its entirety and record whilst we're watching the film. And then we talk about the film afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he's Australian, I'm British. Our humours uh, clash beautifully. And um, we think it's a lot of fun. We're, we're quite new to it. To be honest, we've only we've only done sort of, what, I think we've done 12 episodes now. Okay. Um, and we try and do sort of your, your, your classic films like The Goonies, Terminator 2. Um, that sort of film, you know, nothing too taxing or mind bending. So can I ask you a question? Because I have a podcast called hindsight. It's on hiatus right now, but um, because I I also coach basketball and the season is starting up, but we did Terminator two. We, we Mm -hmm. looked back and we discussed Terminator two. John Connor in that movie is way too old to be fucking 11, right? Like they said, he's an eleven-year-old in that movie. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a few wonderful moments in that film where it's just <laughs> the, the you just have to. I mean, I like the fact that when watching a, a film about cyborg robots from the future coming back to kill someone, you pick up on the age of a child. <laughs> I mean, That's not realistic. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like. The, the the stepfather he's leaving he's leaving out the door with the kid from Salute Your Shorts whatever the fuck his name was, um and the stepfather tells him to come in and do something and this supposed to be eleven year old kid turns around and says, <clears throat> "You're not my real dad, Todd." Eleven year olds don't sound like that. You're not my real dad, Todd. I could have saw that, but no, just gravelly. And, You're not my real dad, Todd. I'm going to hop the on this moped and take children off. More. What? Say what? <laughs> then maybe the future just weathers the children more. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through so much. Takes a puff of a cigarette. Let me tell you about 97. <laughs> you don't know, man. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So there is um there is an absolutely brilliant bit though where he's on the back of um the uh, the Terminator's motorbike and obviously that he was quite young when they filmed it but you they when he's doing stunts they replace him with an adult but they haven't bothered trying to match it and you can see like this is like fifty year old guy just holding on to <laughs> someone on the back of a motorbike and then it cuts to a close up and there's a kid and then it's back to like this big old man <laughs> you still not my dad Todd. <laughs> I'm your granddad, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm your dad, Todd. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, again, thank you all so much. Hmm? Basically, that, what we just did there was my podcast. That's all me and Jimmy do. We just rip the shit out of films and just have fun. And that's the best way to discuss films with friends. Like, (laughs) honestly, if you love it, you're going to gush over it. If you hate it, then you're going to spend time making fun of it. And either way, the listeners benefit. Yep. Yeah. Well so, said. Again, thank you for joining me, y'all. If you want to um, email the show, it is available at storytellerspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email me directly at wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. Um, 
the storyteller's Twitter account is Story Tailspin. That's T A L E because I like the Disney cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you can also reach me at Ratchet Book Club. Um, you can leave a review for the show on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. Uh, you can also leave a review for the show on Podchaser and copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts and copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at um, patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Um, you can also donate at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you all for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. storytellers was provided by revolution void and it's called someone else's memories you can find it at the free music archive this is single simulcast Don't know about now,